I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it. Hey, I'm Michael Patton. I'm really excited about this because I am going to be able to shut down everything that Samson says. And I should be able to do that because I'm the president of Credo House Ministries and I've got this THM from DTS. Now listen to what he has to say. Hey, I'm Samson Kovach. I'm from the Theology Pit and I'm really excited that Michael's going to shut down everything that I have to say. Uh, that's, that makes me excited. I have a MAR from uh, TSM. <laughs> I'll just, I'll say it like that. This is Divergent Theology, where we take topics, Michael and I both have bit different backgrounds theologically, and we sort of clash them together, and we, we see what happens when the world of theology actually doesn't agree with itself. Correct. We, You know, it has the, the process to justification. Yeah, we, we think about, I mean, it, it's, you think about the way that Catholics think about grace. And all we've done is remove the word grace and we've put the idea of faith in there. And, and yeah. that's just been it. Um, uh, a man by the name of, um, uh, let me see if I can find it, Fitzsimmons Allison. He wrote a, uh, a book called The Rise of Moralism, where he, um, he kind of spelled that out a little bit. And, and he said that, um, uh, let me see here. Uh, he writes, uh, in time, imputation came to mean not the imputation of Christ's righteousness, but the imputation of faith. And faith was reconstrued to mean our sincere endeavors and our evangelical righteousness. Thus, the imputation of our righteousness, not the imputation of Christ's righteousness, eventually came, uh, became that by which we are justified. So you have scholars outside of this, of, you know, the, the whole, you know, reformed world kind of looking at what we're doing and, and they're saying, wait a minute, you're, you know, you're actually removing Christ from the equation and, and you're putting faith in. So in a way you're the understanding of your salvation and your soteriology is not in Christ. Christ is yeah, Christ is the yeah. means to get what you need in order to be yeah. saved. And so yeah. you've just you you're sidestepping Christ for some reason. Well, don't we sidestep Christ in just about every single doctrine? I mean, I was talking to somebody today or this morning and they were talking about I mean, I swear they'd said this. It wasn't it was I, I was like I could have planted somebody better to make the <laughs> class go in the direction that it that it needed to go, but um I, I we were talking about uh just uh I was mm -hmm. the problem of evil, right? And um I was discussing why people I have a problem with it and why people who come to me leave the faith because you mm -hmm. know my ministry got lots of people all the time that are coming and they've either left the faith or in the process of leaving and they want to stay they want to come back and so uh, they're yearning for something I said I so the first thing you got to do is really get somebody to empathize yeah, with yeah. that you know even if you're out there and you've never gone through any of this you really got to work through it why are they doing it How, what what is it that uh you know I can do to prevent this or whenever I go through it to help myself. But either way, here's, here's this guy comes up and he's like, 
well, did any of those people that you're having a problem with, did, did they ever read their Bible? And I was like, well, yeah, they do. He's like, no. I said, I mean, read your Bible on a daily basis. And I was, and I go, at first I thought he was the teacher of the class. And so I wasn't going to say anything, but a little bit later I, I, I began to uh, discuss with him. And I said, I said, the Bible is not the end of our faith. It's not reading the Bible as if the greatest thing that we can do. You know, the greatest thing we can do is have this relationship with Christ. And it comes through all different ways. And the, Bible's, uh, the Bible helps facilitate our understanding yeah. of that. But uh, that, that is not the end. Of it. And then I said, we're not going to be in heaven all the time reading the Bible. And I think sometimes that's what we have as evangelicals is we have all kinds of ways that we worship. We're, everything's around Christ. And we'll worship this instead. You know, we'll worship the Bible. We'll worship our faith. We'll worship uh, the the catechisms, uh, mm-hmm. our Calvinism, whatever. We'll worship all of these things. And really, uh, in the end, you don't see Jesus anymore. And it's like that's the simplicity yeah. of yeah. it all. You know, and that's that's the thing that's happening. And that that whenever whenever there is that relationship and where there is the true salvation. It's something that, you know, we try to define. We do the best we can. We talk about the order of mm-hmm. salute. And the, the order is fun. It really is because you think about it and you're reordering yeah. things. But in the end, you're just like, man, we, uh, we're, we're trying really hard to do something that, you know, is, is very complex yet very, very simple, you know. And the simplicity is part of the yeah, beauty. yeah, and and and, I, and so that's what I'm trying to do. Exactly what you said. Make I'm I'm trying to be highly Christocentric with this understanding because yeah. if yeah. which is an NT yeah, right yeah. thing, and I do well, I do agree and, with right NT right. Uh, Tom Torrance, uh, like I said, TF Torrance was a big influence on me also in in a lot of this stuff, and he's highly Christocentric also. But um, th- if we think about what an idol is biblically like what an idol was is it's the thing that you look to for your salvation. And we have made faith that idol because however you're defining faith, however, anyone that's listening or watching, however you understand faith. And if you're thinking, if you remove that faith, I am no longer justified. And I'm going to make the, I want to make the argument that no, that faith can be removed. What you can't remove is Christ. And I yeah. think that that's, that that's, I like that's that. I like that. That's good. That's good. You know what? It helps. It helps a lot with me saying, well, you know, whenever I'm talking to these people who are, or in the process of leading mm-hmm. or have left, but we kind of want to come back, you know, in, in a very real strict sense, you're going to have to say, well, um, they do, they still have faith. They just don't know it. You know, <laughs> that's one option. Another option is to say, well, they never had true faith. And then another option is to say something like, uh, well, once they had the initial faith, then that saved them for the rest and they don't have to have it later on. Kind of the, kind of the free grace all the way to the Lordship. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got all kinds of camps in here. None of them really ever have worked, uh, mm-hmm. for me, but this does because, it is saying to me, okay, I've got these people and I'm dealing with someone right now. And I've been through this in 2010, March 15th, 2010, where my faith just mm-hmm. disappeared. And, uh, you know, I was like, I just don't have it anymore. You know, it's not there. And it wasn't just the, the faith of trusting. It was the faith of believing in yeah. general. But I still, I was like, I'm, the whole time I'm still his, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And these people are still his, they come back and, and it's hard for us because, Whenever you have that as the only defining yeah. marker, right? I mean, I, I do I do see it as the first fruits of our justification uh, rather than 
the thing that justifies. But whenever you have that is the only defining marker, then um, yeah, you're, you're going to be very confused whenever it comes down to it and see that is not only the only, the only uh, instrumental cause, but the cause. Yeah, itself. And I'm going to make the argument that, you know, our faith, personal faith, our faith has nothing to do with our justification at all. Like it's, it's remove it from the equation completely. And before, yeah. before I, I, I get into some of the reasoning behind that, uh, I, I want to look at the different ways that we use faith, that we talk about faith. Okay. And, and the understanding that we have, because I've really, I, I've broken it up into basically two categories that we look at faith. We either look at it as passive faith or active faith. I mean, those are really the only two camps that you can think of, um, you know, with it. Um, and, and some would say that it's passive. Now, there's problems with saying that faith is passive. Uh, one of the biggest problems is that, that it's probably the most unbiblical thing that you can say. Like, nowhere do you see faith as passive. Faith is always active. Faith is always doing something. Uh, in Millard Erickson's um, Christian theology, he makes that argument that you know faith, especially in the Old Testament, was never understood as something that wasn't active. It wasn't something that was that was happening. Um, it's it's seen in narrative form, like in um in in Hebrews. Uh, it's just it's it's so it's it's working. But if if we take the assumption that it is primarily passive, then it's either going to be an imputed faith or it's going to be a regenerated faith. Cause some people would say, okay, it's, it's passive, but it's, it's dormant somehow, either it's dead or it's just dormant and you need the gospel to revitalize it or God to, to give it to you. So if it's an, if it's a passive faith that's imputed, but yet it needs to be active, it, it needs to actually do something. Well then that, that would be, um, Something from, let me see here. I, I wrote, I have, I have 10 different definitions here. I, I broke this all down. Um, and so <laughs> sure. a, a, um, a passive faith that is imputed and that functions as active is a faith that has been given by God. Faith as an active agent is a faith from God that is used as the instrumental cause of justification. And when given to the individual, he or she will believe in Christ alone for salvation and thereby receiving the gift of righteousness from God. And that's that's taken from um, the Westminster Confession and um, the Institutes of the, of the Christian Religion of Calvin. So that's where I've deduced okay. that. Now, okay. if you take the um, uh, active part out of it, Okay, and you say it's not something that we do with it, but it's simply something that is there to be received. Okay, so it's a passive faith that has been imputed to you, but only for the sake of receiving God's blessing. Okay, and that this would be a um, a, a faith that's like a conduit that we talked about earlier, and the faith. Uh, the faith of the one functions as the means by which grace flows th flows to change the individual and thereby jesting or sanctifying them. Okay. Now that um, comes from the um, Augsburg confession. You can find that in the formula of Concord and in um, especially in, in pages uh, 39 to 40. But um, if you read the apology of the Augsburg confession uh, written by Philip Melanchthon, he says it like this. He says, the premise, the promise freely offered to us are 
who are oppressed by sin and death, reconciliation on account of Christ, which is received not by works, but by faith alone. This faith does not bring to God trust in our own merits, but only trust in the promise or the mercy promised in Christ. Therefore, it follows that personal faith by which an individual believes that his or her sins are remitted on account of Christ and that God is reconciled and gracious on our account of Christ, receives the forgiveness of sin and justifies us. So it's not an active, it's just simply receptive. So so we've been, yeah. it's a passive faith that we've been imputed to us for the, the only reason that it's there is to receive the grace that God has. Okay? Okay. Now, the regenerative side of it, like if you, if you say that, okay, faith is not imputed to you. Now, where did you take that last, last definition? That's from? that's that uh, from? from the Apology of the Augsburg Confession by Philip Melanchthon, um, Formula for okay, uh, okay. the Book of Concord, uh, page one twenty seven. If anybody wants to double okay. check me on it, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and you know what? I really, I probably should put my my thesis on like academia or something. You know, for for people to to look up and um and to, and show me. Yeah, this. I'm sure they'll want to um, do it now. Okay, right. so let's say that you go to the the other side of it. You're like, okay, we don't need a faith imputed to us. Because we have faith. It just needs to be regenerated in some way. And so, but it's still passive. Okay. Because it's, it's not active, um, but it's regenerated to us, but it needs to be active. Okay. So it's primarily passive, but it's been regenerated, not imputed and it's active. And so um, that would be a passive faith uh, that is either in a dead or dormant state that needs to be reanimated in some capacity. As a passive faith reactivated and possessed by the individual, it is an imperfect faith that has been granted the ability to sustain justification. And this type of faith is commonly coupled with a type of prevenient grace. What this implies is that the forgiveness of sins and the righteousness that one now has can and needs to be sustained through individual faith as a requirement of salvation. And this can be found in um, uh, the Book of Common Prayer and um, in the uh, first book of the homilies, both uh, Anglican works. Okay? okay. Now, you have another aspect of it. You have the receptive instead of the a- active. Okay? And the... Um, the receptive aspect is a passive faith that has been regenerated and is to be considered as receiving only. Faith is to be understood as a vessel to contain grace leading to justification. Faith functions as the means which apprehends that justification, which has been made available. And this is Martin Luther with his uh, commentary on Galatians, because he said that, you know, faith yeah. is uh, faith is like the clasps of a ring, which the jewel of, of justification sits in that holds it. OK, yeah. so these yeah. are, are, you know, the definitions with a purely passive faith. OK, yeah. now within Christianity and, and you know, we wouldn't say this in um, in any of the. Uh, more like Calvinistic reformed traditions, because we, uh, I, th- I think that that would always be in a passive aspect. I don't think anyone would ever confess that, no, our faith is truly active in gaining that salvation. We would say, no, there's a passive, yeah. you know, type going to it. I mean, would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely would. I don't know how you could come about it otherwise. I don't, I wouldn't say I agree that that's the way all Calvinists believe simply because most, a lot of people just haven't really thought this mm-hmm. deeply about it. Once they get to this, these roadblocks, they seem, 
they seem so out of touch with number one, clear communication, mm-hmm. and number two, just being able to uh, to apprehend it the way that you know whoever taught them apprehend it. And you know, we got all these nice yeah, formulas. Yeah. You know, we 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 got the tulip, we got the ordo salutis, we've got everything that's set up for us that makes it definable. And then once you start introducing a little bit of mystery, that's whenever we get difficult. So we just like those things that come in and say, well, let's just keep it simple, just like they did in the scripture. You know, uh, brothers, what must I do to be saved? You know, repent, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, you know, uh, or just believe in Jesus Christ. And so at that point, you're just like, okay, that's simple enough. Whatever happens, whatever is going on there, let's just let's just take a hold of that. That's what most people I'd say. But then whenever you get to the Calvinist who are just, I've got to figure this out. I've got to put it in my deal. That's whenever you would say most people would agree with you. Again, I don't necessarily because I'd say it's that the, the other thing I was mm-hmm. talking about earlier. But uh, uh, I, I okay. Well, I let's get look it. at now. Now let's look at the other side of it. The people who believe that it is it, it's an active faith, like your faith actually does justify you, because there are people out there that make that claim yeah. that it looks this is yeah. it. Like. <sighs> Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. I am Samson Kovach. I'm the co-host of Divergent Theology and the host of uh, The Theology Pit. Here to take a moment of your time to, you know, shamelessly plug some of our stuff that we do. Now, I know you've been asking yourself while you're watching these episodes of Divergent Theology, hey, how can I become a Divergent Theologian? Well, that's a great question. First thing you have to do Well, you have to know why you believe what you believe. And the reason for that is because you have to know what's in the realm of, let's say, non-heresy and the realm of heresy. You have to know how far you can go and diverge in each direction and still remain an Orthodox Christian. What's that? (laughs) Yes, the best way to go about doing that, in my opinion, is to go to credohouse.org. Now, what I would recommend is you start off with the discipleship program. Discipleship program is a great way to get an introduction into, you know, what you believe as a Christian. It's broken down into uh, 10 sessions here. Michael's done a good job with this. Uh, Looking at the Bible, mankind, the Trinity, Jesus, faith, like um, living with God, those sort of things. Um, It's in, you know, two separate sections, but This is if you really are new to the faith or kind of you're thinking of a way, hey, how in my church can I teach something? It's a great, uh, great ministry tool. But you're saying, Samson, look, I'm already a Christian. I've been a Christian a while. I want to go deeper. Oh, okay. We have the theology program here. I would say you start off with your introduction to theology. You can find all of this stuff, credohouse.org. And, uh, Go through the six-course program, and you'll know a little bit more about why you believe what you believe. Now, as a divergent theologian, and I've you know taught and worked with uh, Credo House, even back when it was called Reclaiming the Mind, um, on my podcast, you notice the Theology Pit, where you can go to theologypit.com, you can get great things like mugs and shirts. I have some new shirts that I've made up, says I can do all things through scripture taken out of context. Support the ministry that way. You'll notice that I diverge a little bit more. I'm neither a Calvinist nor am I an Arminian. I'm free to do that. Uh, There are other things out there, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But that's where you can be a divergent theologian. So check out the sites. Check out the 
the books and all the wonderful resources that we have at both of these sites and the podcasts. Don't forget Theology Unplugged, one of the biggest podcasts, theological podcasts on Apple. Another nice little tip when you're learning Greek, use cards. Use your Greek cards as bookmarks. It's great. Apocrinomai. I answer indeed. Oh, Michael, what are you thinking? <sighs> like, um, yeah, this is this yeah. is this is the thing, and some some go even further with that. This is the one word. Yeah. This is well, the one. Well, word some go further with that because right? I've talked to um, I think it was a disciple of Christ pastor one time, and he said, unless you're baptized, unless you believe and you're baptized, I mean, he takes that variant from Mark, and and says, then yeah. you are not saved. And I asked him, I said, yeah. well, if you're telling me that I'm in your church and I give you know, my life to Christ there and I walk out without being baptized and I get hit by a truck. You're saying I go to hell. And he, and his first comment was, well, why wouldn't you be baptized? And I'm like, let's just say hypothetically. All right. And he's like, well, <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. yeah, you would. And I'm like, well, how is baptism not a work then? And he said, because we baptize by faith. And so now, but, but we do this, don't we? we? We use the word faith as this catch-all. Like anything in faith, yeah. anything that we can put the label of faith to necessarily yeah. can't be a work. Even if it has yeah. all of the attributes of a work, it, we still, we'll still yeah. make the claim, no, it's not a work because it's faith. I like if you take yeah. if you take the the um, classic reformer definition of faith the notitia sensus and fiducia okay the the knowledge yeah. the the um, uh, assent to and the trust uh, we you've talked about this in the theology program before like how much knowledge yeah. how much faith and you can make all those different levels and you say okay I have to know this I have to do that I have to believe this much I have to do all this well isn't that a work well no no it's not a work because it's faith but yet yeah. it, it looks like this unsurmountable amount of, of stuff that you have to do that can weigh so heavy yeah. on someone that, well, what if I yeah. don't have this or what if I forget this or what if I lose this or, you know, God forbid, what if I get Alzheimer's and now yeah. I, I can't, I, I, I can't believe anymore. Does that mean that I'm, I'm not saved? I mean, you it just so much gets put on it and said, like, well, no, it's not, but it's not a work because it's a faith. So yeah. let's look at the other side. Let's yeah. look at the active faith, how, how people look at this. And it has the same, Two categories, but then it actually creates a third category. So it would. But don't wait, let, sure, let, sure, before sure. you go there, don't people put the same thing? They put repentance in there as well. And repentance becomes this, uh, this, this uh, work yeah. that you do in order to be justified. So you got baptism, mm -hmm. you got repentance, you got, you got faith, you got, uh, you know, uh, love, even loving God, you know, can be put in there. Well, you got to love yeah. Jesus, you know, that that's the first thing you got to do. And then you're like, well, how much love, how much, cause it always does, it does. come down to that. Yeah. You know, like you said, what, what, how much of each one of these so that I can get it, it exactly. right. And, and when we go through this active section, you're going to see a lot of that. I mean, you're going to see a lot yeah. of how people say, it, especially in the third one. So there's, um, the first one is imputed, you know, faith. It's so it's an active faith that's imputed. The second one is going to be a regenerated faith, just like the just like with the passive. But the third one is the reoriented faith, and this is where like things like baptism and stuff really come into play. So, so the first okay. one is um, it, it's an active faith that has been imputed, um, but it's broken up into two. It's an initiative or a receptive. Okay, so you're either initiating okay. it or you're just receiving it. Okay, so it's it's 
I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm going to keep saying these over and over because I know these categories just get like crazy in the, in trying to keep them straight in your head. Um, believe me, it took me, it took me days to come up with this, this chart, whenever, whenever <laughs> I see my, um, yeah. you know, my thesis proposal that I had to do, like, I, I like, uh-huh. like my professors are like, you, you come in here with charts, you're giving us like, charts. And I'm like, this breaks <laughs> down like this. Um, okay. So yeah. this is a type of faith that is an active faith. So it's primarily active that has been imputed to the individual and that takes the initiative towards justification. So faith is the motivating factor for God as he is moved by one responding to the faith that has been given. The grace of God can be recognized through either general or special revelation. In other words, what has been provided through nature or scripture. There is an emphasis on scripture for salvation and nature for condemnation. But neither emphases are exclusive in the outcome. Faith necessarily precedes justification as the reasoning for God's further action. And this can be found in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 in section uh, four. Okay. Now, if we take that same formula, but take out the initiative and put the receptive in, uh, what you have is a faith that is active only in the receptive aspect and not in the motivational aspect. So, so in the receptive that you're receiving yes, yeah, something, that, the hand that the hand that yes, receives, exactly. Yeah. You just you have the hand out and and that's it. Okay, um, so yeah. God's uh, and you're just apprehending what has been provided. So God's provision is what justifies, but faith is the means by which we grasp and apply the provision provided by. Uh, provided for by faith in Christ. And this is from the constitution of the Wesleyan church articles, uh, 10 and 11. Okay. Where I, where I got yeah. that, um, understanding from now we move on to the regenerator, the regenerated faith that's either initiative or receptive. So the first one is type of faith is an active faith. Remember it's, it's primarily active that has been regenerated by God to initiate salvation. And it's an imperfect faith that leads to justification by meriting and sustaining God's grace. It may be understood as a type of prevenient grace in which God has provided the means in which salvation may be attained through the preaching of the word and the movement of his spirit. And you can find this especially in the Arminian Confession of 1621. Uh, Mark Ellis's translation is, is a good one, chapters 10 and 11. Now, take the initiative out and we'll put the receptive in. And so this type of faith is an active faith that has been regenerated by God to initiate salvation. The difference between the receptive and the initiative faith is that the receptive faith does not function to sustain grace, only to contain grace. The believer initiates justification by believing what is required, then receives grace by faith, functioning as an instrument that contains the grace necessary, thereby leading to justification. Even though this faith is imperfect, it is understood to be sufficient for containing the grace necessary to access the work of Christ for salvation. And this would be uh, from the a treatise on the free will, uh, or, sorry, a treatise on the faith of the free will baptism. And that's, that's actually from 1850. I was able to find that one. So those are the ones that parallel the passive for the active. Now, the one, now this next set, the reoriented faith is only found in the active because of the, of the nature of it. And this is more, this isn't, it's like these two are ones that I came up with. That's not spelled out in any type of confession. 
because it's more okay. um, sort of generally believed, but not exactly spelled out. And you'll and you'll see yeah, what I mean. Yeah. You'll see what I mean by yeah. that as I as I read through this. So the first one is a reoriented faith that's that's initiative. Okay, so this type of faith is one that is focused on that which is outside of itself. Okay, the faith is active and has been reoriented toward God through the initiative of and outside means such as baptism. So through creedal baptism, one has effectively initiated justification. The faith of the believer is imperfect, but of little importance because it is through the rite of baptism that justification has occurred. Baptism is only one example in this study as anything can be the catalyst in the mind of the believer that brings about a right relationship with God. Other examples include saying the sinner's prayer, walking the aisle at an altar call, praying before the relics of saints, or asking Jesus into one's heart. There's little difference in the intent of these actions aside from the sacramental ordinance view or various traditional emphases. Volunteerism is another way of expressing this understanding of just of faith that justifies. Okay. Okay. okay so you're, what you're saying is that uh, everybody needs to ask Jesus into their heart first and then they the everyone later. What this is saying is that everyone needs to do something. That whatever that yeah, thing is, and I that's know. that's kind of the point of it. Is Jesus really in my What's heart, that? though? I mean, actually, is that really yeah, we'll is talk he in about my heart? We'll talk about omnipresence later. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, the the um, the final one in here. If I get stabbed, I get stabbed. Oh, what Jesus happens? cries! Yeah, Jesus <laughs> cries. Yeah, you don't you don't want that, you know. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Right. Um, so, the, so the final one here that we that we can look at is this reoriented faith that is primarily receptive, and this is this is I found this to be an interesting one. The receptive aspect is like the initiative understanding, but um, but it will focus on that which is outside of the individual, same as the last one. Um, but it's something that has been done to the one being saved. So through a reorienting of faith by the reception of grace, one then continues to sustain their justification by continually receiving grace. This kind of reception happens through paediabaptism, which is later acted upon through the faith received for salvation. The faith exercise then receives the sacraments or ordinances of the church that sustains justification progressively through sanctification. Another example would be through a life of sinless perfectionism that one can observe in like the holy the holiness Wesleyan tradition and modern Reformed Puritan churches. The absence of sacramental usage does not detract from the idea of receiving grace from God and then continuing on in a lifestyle toward which your faith has been reoriented. The main difference between the initiative and the receptive has to do with the conscious choice of the individual combined with the necessity of obedience for evidence that of that change brought about by God. To further clarify, one confesses prior to what one is doing begins the process while the latter confesses that one behaves a certain way because of what has been done to the individual. The lines may be easily okay. blurred because the confessional aspect of adherence by either mode. All right. Well, when we say sacramental, you would include things such as the uh, yeah, Catholic every, confession, everything. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, doing all that kind of stuff, going to, going to mass, everything. receiving everything. the body yeah. and blood. And that's why I put ordinance in there also, because it would be whatever tradition you're a part of, the the life of your, of your tradition. Yeah. yeah. Like, like the other day I was talking to somebody online and – 
And somebody else that was, you know, we, we had been around for a long time. He said, they said, I quit going to church probably about two or three years ago. And this guy jumped on him immediately and said, you're not a Christian, then, period. Yeah, you're not yeah. a Christian. I mean, just like as if that was so quick to e- and easy to understand. And, and at that point, this is where you get a lot of people that you don't only got, got and see if this will fit within that. You not only got uh, going to church, but you got, well, if you're a Christian, you won't d- do certain sins yeah, anymore. Yeah. Right. Or you won't believe certain sins are okay anymore. And so there's kind of this initial reorienting that stays with you and cause you to practice certain things or rather stay away from these certain things in any type of habitual way. And this, you know, talks about from John, the person who received first John, where it says he who has the seed of God uh, will mm-hmm. not sin. Uh, cannot sin or does not in some translations sin continually. That's yeah. the idea here, and so it's like, okay. This is this is part of whatever faith we had um, uh, applied to us that becomes a sacramental type. Act- yeah, action. you're picking up what I'm putting down. I mean, that's that's exactly yeah. this. You know, this this these two views that I kind of surmise just from looking at the way people talk about you know, their church life and the way they behave. And I think that these last two, honestly, are the most, the reoriented faith, either initiative or receptive, are probably the most commonly practiced, but least articulated. I think that many people like, like with when you were talking about Sola Scriptura, people think about it like one way, but they really practice it in a different way. And, and, and they kind of do that. And so, the reason why I, I I went through these ten different you know subdivisions that that I went through is to show that no matter where we're coming from, there is always this this action that is happening on behalf of of the believer. The believer is doing something. We have to do something with faith. Yeah. And 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 yeah. this becomes problematic. And so- hey, thanks for listening to Divergent Theology. You can visit our websites at credohouse.org or thetheologypit.com and make a donation. Support the ministry that way. Now, here's a quick look at next week's Divergent Theology. This took us on this trajectory because by the time you get to Aquinas yeah. in the Middle Ages, it was not common. According to um, Gerald Collins, who um, is a Roman Catholic and wrote a great book on Christology. Um, by the way, by the way, just as a side, you're you're losing me a whole lot of stuff as we go through. So I know you're going to be losing the audience. Okay, I'm okay, to okay, all right. The other okay, there's a lot of smaller tangents that you keep on going down, and I know that that's going to lose. All right, let me people, let me you know? then then you need to put up a sign, and you need to.